This is Multinew Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 46 of Multinew Media. Um, I'm Chase Raz, one of the hosts of Multinew Media. Chris Ayers, the other host of Multinew Media, is here with me. And um, Is it 46 already? It is 46. Wow. 46. I almost said, if you caught my pause, I almost said 64, and I'm thinking, wow, I'm starting to become dyslexic. Uh, but it is episode 46. And um, all fanfare aside for a moment, because I don't know why you do fanfare for 46, but um, Chris, I've been thinking about going into the world of building a personal cloud, and so, I, th- I thought today maybe we could explore that some. What do you mean by personal cloud? Well, that's what I was hoping we could explore <laughs> a little bit. Because it's kind of a trick question. Like, is this just, I want something like Dropbox or OneDrive where I can sync my files, but they're not in the cloud? Like... Uh, on someone else's servers? Are you talking about like? Well, you know, and that's one of the things I don't know. Network, but I want it. You, you know, what do you mean by personal cloud? Okay, so you you know me, I'm always a little bit overkill on anything. I try to take a project ten steps further than I need to. So I think what will help is if I backtrack and we create a sort of a a consulting relationship out of this, and I just tell you where I'm at. Sure. So I can already do at home. Oh, that was a weird sound. At home, DLNA streaming across my network because Windows 10 does that and my Samsung TV does that and game consoles, right? So getting video and audio from one device on my network to another device isn't my issue, but I might like to stream some of my movies in the future. Now, that's the media component. I have a bunch of DVDs, a bunch of Blu-rays, and I'd really love to put them somewhere here at my home, here at the home office, and be able to watch them anywhere in the world. That's one component. Okay. Oh, you want the next component? So you, you've got, well, you, you've got to have connectivity. You've got to have some storage and uh, some process to do conversion. It, it helps to get the big picture before we start taking it apart. And that way you can see if one device or component will solve all your problems mm-hmm. or if it's, uh, a number of devices. So you definitely want to serve up your collection of DVDs and be able to watch them um, while you're out and about as well as at home. Sure. And now that's the first component. The second component okay. that I'm looking for personally is, um, I, I guess, what they call the file server side of things. Um, I, you know, I work on a lot of different projects and I have Office 365 and I have Dropbox and I have, right, we can keep listing. Um, but sometimes I just really need um, to store a file, maybe it's a very large work file that I'm working on here locally on the computer, and I want it backed up. I, I don't need to necessarily back up my whole computer, but I want a large work file backed up, residing here on premises with me. But I'd also like to um, be able to dig into that file system and grab that file uh, remotely anywhere I'm at. So uh, anywhere that I happen to be, rather. So if I, you know, don't want to take up some space on OneDrive or Dropbox, I can still get into my computer my network here at home and I think I'm kind of stumbling on the larger issue of what I'm interested in personally is accessing my network while I'm away okay well I mean if it's just accessing your network some people will say a VPN is all you need and that would cover for printing and accessing my files and all of that correct yeah so what would be the distinction why would somebody even consider hardware in going towards a personal cloud if if VPN well, can solve these problems. 
so one of the advantages, uh, well, I wouldn't even call it personal cloud for, for at, at first. Um, so just taking your first requirement, um, one of the things a lot of people use is, is a NAS, mm-hmm. network, esta- uh, 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 <laughs> network attached storage. So why would you look at a NAS for storing files instead of a computer? Um, and that's, reason, that's a very good question. Keep going. Well, the reason you'd want to use a NAS is um, some people don't want to leave their computer on all the time. Or you want a centralized device that's just sitting there and all it's doing is serving files. And your TV's accessing a, a movie off of it. Your, your laptop that somebody's working on is saving data to it. Uh, it's not taking up processing power or network traffic from your, your desktop. Like you, you pull those functions out of a computer or something else that might be using them and, and just put them all into this one little box. And it's an appliance, so you don't worry about usually upgrading the processor, the memory, or building a case. Pretty much all you do is buy some hard drives and throw them in there. Its whole purpose is just to serve up files from some hard drives. Now, that sounds really convenient for for business to me. Um, uh, they have home class and business class NASs. They usually range in the number of bays. So um, most of the time, you want some sort of redundancy. So if... I mean, you can put one drive in a computer or one drive in a NAS and serve files up it, but if it dies, you lose all your files. Right. So they have ones that have two bays, and so the data is on both. So you put in two one-terabyte drives, you still only have one terabyte of storage because it copies the data to both. In case one, dr- one fails, you can plug a new drive in and try to recover some data. Um, then and when you start getting a little bit more expensive, you can get four bay or six bay or, you know, any number above three, they can start doing something called RAID, which is a redundant array of independent drives. But essentially it means um, if, if it's three or more drives, you, you plug in a bunch of the same sized drives and you have all the storage of like N minus one. So if there's four drives, you get you get three the hard storage drives space of three of the drives combined, and so that basically stores portions of the files uh, redundantly on all the hard drives. Right, uh, and, and the fourth drive kind of uh, has some like little hash check bit stuff. Mm-hmm. So if one of the the sections gets corrupted on one of the other drives, the the three remaining drives can recreate the missing data. Right, and that's that's really really useful. So again, right. just kind of pausing here for a moment, we're talking about the the need, whether it's personal or business, to have storage that's accessible across the network. Yep. To have storage that's accessible outside of the network. And, well, this is strictly just. I'm still just talking kind of inside your network right now. Okay. So inside so, network, we still have in, the storage. It's independent of another computer. Nobody. There's no monitor. There's no keyboard hooked up to these things. They're appliances. All right. So it's kind of like a coffee maker or or your cable box. You kind of just plug it in, turn it on, leave it be. So storage generally with file serving. And potentially media server, which I know we'll dig into a little bit more. Yep. There are some more factors there. Um, that seems to be what people use personally and on network, right? Yep. I've used them. Uh, I have one at home. Um, I have used them at businesses. Um, uh, most NASs have a lot of features. Like there's a lot you can do with them. Um, some of them even have USB ports and you can plug the printer into it. And you can share a printer off of the NAS so that you don't have to have it living, you know, connected to a computer. Oh, I can't print the computers off, so I'm going to turn on, you know, you don't have to do any of that. Really and, nice and that for was, mobile printing, especially. That used to be an issue 
before the ubiquity of Wi-Fi enabled printers. Mm -hmm. But um, that used to be a big thing. Um, the other thing you can also do is you can sometimes plug in external USB hard drives, connect it to the NAS, and kind of back up your NAS or, or, or have it share the USB drives data across the network. So it, it it's one of the features that different NASs provide. Now let me interject something here. Before we even keep going with the NAS concept and some of the different types of servers that are available, yep. I, I want to kind of recap what's out there for people um, – to, to maybe have to circumvent or maybe to be able rather to circumvent this entire conversation. Well, the other thing you can do, um, a NAS is just a really specialized computer. Mm -hmm. So if you have an old computer laying around, you have a case and you just want to throw a bunch of hard drives into it, you can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, there is Linux distributions that like open NAS or free NAS, or you can do windows. They, they used to have a product called windows home server. And so it's the exact same thing, pretty much. It just really integrated well with Windows. Essentially, we're talking about running a home server, and the NAS is a very specialized form of that. Uh, an appliance. Uh, to the point where it's plug and play. You don't usually have to do much to it, and it has uh, usually a web interface or a tool that does all the configuration, and you can add users and do permissions. You can pretty much customize everything about the system through one little spot. Now, I would argue that if you're trying like to do router. this... Like, like you can go into a router, and you can... Um, like the home versions of routers have a little web interface you can go and configure everything mm -hmm. or if you got like a super high advanced Cisco router you would SSH or Telnet into it and run some some Cisco commands possibly to configure it like th it's kind of two different levels type thing okay so we have the the server approach but there are yep. also other devices out there right I was looking into this Pogo plug it's basically you slap a hard drive you plug it in and, and it it's it's a plug and play version even of you talking about Drobo? Not familiar oh. with that. Oh, well. Um, what were you calling yours or the thing you found? There's a company called Pogo Plug. They do backup, but they also have a device. Ah, uh, Pogo Plug. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I see this. The device this on their website is actually kind of hidden. You have to go find it on Amazon or something and link back. Yeah, that's very similar to... Um, so, um, I don't know if you remember the Apple Time Machines. Mm -hmm. They were like their routers, but they had a hard drive in it. Yeah. And Macs and phones, when they connected, they could like automatically back up, you know, do their backups to it. Uh, this might implement something like that or integrate. It looks like it integrates with Carbonite or or compares to right. To they, those. they compare to Carbonite and to um, one Apple. of the uh, one of the Apple services. I don't know if it's Time Capsule or what. Yeah, I'm not sure. It might be an app that does it. It might be uh, some sort. Of, yeah, I. I uh, it's it's different what you want to do. So so there are those devices, but I also want to encourage people, and, and I'm, this is part of the process I went through as well, look at your motherboard. A lot of motherboards these days come with software that they promote, specialized to the company, whoever produces. I know Asus has... Um, right, some uh, Intel ones have multiple ports so that you can do RAID on your motherboard. Right, which and is Asus fine. has a product called Remote Go. Um, I have an Asus Sabertooth motherboard. I looked into it, and I sort of hit this limitation. You were talking before about the servers and the NAS products having web interface or application interfaces, right. and uh, a lot of the ones with motherboards that I looked up, though, only work with uh, Android and iOS. So uh, me as I a Windows guy, even, that doesn't work so much. And this of course, is a whole I need... different topic. Like if you're talking about system tinkerers who are throwing tons of drives and, and they're researching motherboards, that's almost a completely different discussion than 
I want some sort of file or NAS server in my house. Well, but it's one possible way to go about yes. solving this problem without having, I mean, imagine this. Imagine you have a computer and you look into your computer and say, oh, um, you know, I have a, a motherboard from X, Y, or Z company, and they offer this free with my motherboard. It's just one way to circumvent. It's something that motherboard manufacturers have done to increase the value to try to um, turn. No, no, I wouldn't say they do it for this purpose, though. No. A lot of times the motherboards do offer some sort of RAID, but they don't do it well, not for, for the not RAID, for RAID 5 redundancy level. A lot of times they'll introduce RAID 0 or 1, which is mirroring and striping. Right. And the reason those features exist is so that writes and reads can be split over two hard drives, not entirely for redundancy, but for speed, which well, is what they design them for for when you're doing maybe a video editing application or gaming where you really want the stuff to come off the hard drive into the system as fast as possible. Now that's something So we it's may a slightly to, different use case. Yeah, we may need to talk about that in the and future. That's, and that's why I was like, I think you're kind of going down the wrong hole when you're talking about that. Well, I'm actually talking about something else. I'm talking about software that comes with the motherboard drivers that then serves as DLNA stream, uh, a remote file sharing uh, off network. I haven't even gotten to that part. I'm strictly talking about saving files. Yeah. Jumping ahead. Well, that's where I'm at. But that's one of the potential things that could eliminate people from having to have this type of exploratory situation. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I, I, like I said, at that point, I was just talking about files. Right. Um, just kind of serving up files. And again, the advantage of having something off of your main computer, be it like a Linux server or a Windows server or a NAS, is um, you don't have to have a monitor and keyboard hooked up to it. You... Um, if you're using your computer and you're doing something intensive like gaming or editing video or or watching TV, you don't have to worry about your network connection and your performance being impacted by other people using your resources. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think one of the things that's um, important to think about there is when we talk about storage, I, I think those are the factors you have to look at. Um, what's the situation with your network traffic, right? Do you need, do people access things that ends up impacting your ability to connect? Especially if you're serving videos, th th that's an issue. Right. That will be an issue or it can be an issue because when you start going to Blu-ray quality movies or DVD quality movies, you, you, you know, the, the streams can take up, um, you know, more than a meg or two a second coming off your machine, mm -hmm. which if you're doing that over Wi-Fi or, um, you know, it, it can cause issues. And, and the reason I say that um, and, and agree with that so emphatically is because the actual devices themselves, you know, just take any computer running. Um, I haven't really tested this on OS X, but take any computer running Windows 10. Um, as long as it's on a network with some other type of DLNA device, um, it'll cast to it. You know, you just right click and say cast to device. Um, I don't really use DLA, DLNA that much anymore. Um, while it's great is just kind of a, hey, I want to share video from device A to device B, um, I find it lacks a lot of features, which is why for specifically serving up movies and media content, um, I actually like going with some third-party applications. Instead of DLNA? Yeah. Like, sure, DLNA just kind of works, but it's a bad experience. So what do you use? Um, let's start transitioning away from file. We'll come back to it. No, that's why I was like, you know, talking about files, and I was going to transition into media. Um, like, and you were talking about the applications on the motherboard. So the the, the, the difference is, um, so with DLNA, a lot of times, all you get is like a file listing, like a list of files. Right. It's pretty much a but, dumb push. Like it, it, it's a bad experience. 
did you name it with a space in front of it? What, what about a dot? Or maybe added a A or, you know, the, the, it's literally a listing of files. So right. it doesn't have any knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, when you start looking at some of the, the software packages that have been out there, like Xbox Media Center, which became Kudo or Plex, um, they actually have some intelligence that goes along with those media libraries. And that's what gives you a much better experience. And it actually has features that work with other devices. And, and that's what helps with the streaming across other networks without having to even go through any work. Um, so I mainly use Plex. Um, I have used the, the Kudo a little bit, but I mainly use Plex. The, the concept behind both is kind of the same since Plex was, is a split off of it, um, of Xbox Media Center back in the day. You point it at a library. And for some of them, you say this is a TV library or this is a movie library. If you have like, uh, DVDs of episodes that you've uh, backed up. Or, or, you know, corporate training videos. Either way. Corporate training videos. I, I won't admit well, to being a nerd, but I am. Well, these work best with, um, like, DVDs of movies and TV shows that have artwork, descriptions, maybe even theme music or so, intro music. So not quite going to um, help me with the training videos, but but it'll right. it'll work so with TV that's and why movies. I say it's, it's a, a kind of a different experience right. when you use... Uh, Plex Kudo because it'll go out to there, there's uh, some websites out there called like um, I think it's like the tvdb.com and it there's kind of some standardized formats for naming things uh, on the internet um, like naming movies or naming TV shows and episodes um, so if you use some software to back up your DVDs of let's say Firefly it, it would have like Firefly maybe a dot or a dash and then like the file name might have S01 for season one, E03 for episode three, and then the extension. When Plex or Kodo sees that, um, they'll go out to the TV database and look up that episode, and they'll pull down the synopsis of it and the title of the episode, and they'll show it in the interface of the application. So Plex plays the, the theme song for Firefly. I see the uh, artwork of the DVD of Firefly, I, I, I kind of see some screenshots of the show while I'm browsing through the episodes of Firefly. I see the description of each episode, and if I click on it, I see like the description of that episode, who was acting in it, the day it originally aired. You know, I get a better experience instead of just a listing of files inside of a folder. And so that's the that's a media and, server in the software meaning right. of the term so server, I, I, right? I run Plex, and Plex will run on servers, it'll run on NASes, it'll run on PCs. So I have NextPlex running on my NAS, and then you usually need a Plex client, but the other thing about Plex is it also will share itself as DLNA. So you can, if you want to stick with DLNA, Plex will serve up the files the same way. But if you get the Plex client, which is a free app on like iOS, Android, um, Windows, uh, PlayStation, Xbox. Yeah, Plex is kind of everywhere. Right. Um, It'll... When you fire up the app, it'll look on your local network for a Plex server. If it sees one, it just, okay, here's my Plex server. Um, but one of the things that they provided, um, there's a small fee to, to sign up to be a Plex Pass uh, member. But if you do, um, I'm, I'm like a lifetime member. But if you are, you can, I'm, I'm on my phone or on my laptop and I'm somewhere else. Um, I can still connect back through their website. Like you can expose uh, your Plex server on a port and it's, like secured with SSL 
from wherever your device is back to your um, through their website to your house. And one of the other features Plex Pass allows you to do is it allows you to sync movies. So if I backed up some movies at home off of my DVDs and I know I'm going on a trip and I want to be able to watch them mm-hmm. uh, on the airplane, I can fire up the Plex app on my iPad or on my, my Surface, say, hey, I want to download all of Firefly, only the unwatched episodes. I want to download this movie and that movie off of my Plex server. It does transcoding on the fly. So the Plex server realizes I'm not at home. Maybe I'm streaming across the internet. It'll lower the bit rate of the movie so I can watch it without hiccups. So it'll transcode it on the fly to a speed that I can determine. Like it gives you points where you can change what the bit rate you want to watch it at. And then it'll back it up to the device so that I can disconnect from the network and watch the show even while I'm disconnected because it's stored onto the iPad temporarily. So what about now using any of these solutions you've mentioned? Um, if I find myself at a place where, all right, I can I can um, share files across my network. Maybe I have an as or maybe I, I put some software on some my computer. Kind, right? Or your computer that you're using as a server in this situation. And sure. the, the same thing is true with uh, the media server, again, in the software um, meaning of the word, using uh, Plex or a similar piece of software. Now that I have my movies and arguably music and um, my, my it, business yeah, it files. Yeah, does support and my, syncing music as well. It, it supports like music and pictures as well. So. Right, and, and, and pictures and, and corporate documents and all of these things. Everything I have here on my home network. What's the, what's the step now? What changes when I say, you know what, now I want to be, access, be able to access this remotely from work. Or I want to be able to access this across the country from a client's um, office. So there's a couple of ways to do that. Um, the first is if you have a PC at home that's always on, you could just remote desktop into it um, using like Log Me In or Team Viewer or um, something like that. I think there's even Chrome Remote now. Splash you Top, can, Chrome Remote, Windows has right. one. So you can initiate a remote connection. Some of them have options to allow you to access the file system. So there's some sort of file transfer mechanism built in with remote desktop. You can access your local C drive from the remote client. You know, so you OneDrive even files. used to have that, but they uh, I think they deprecated it. What? Um, they used to have where you could access any computer running OneDrive. Uh, you could access the, yeah, the yeah. file yeah, system. Yeah, I don't know. But um, it, it don't, it's hit or miss with me. It works with my Surface, but not with my desktop. But um, that's an easy option. Like, that. that's the easiest one. LogMeIn used to provide a couple of computers for free. I think they've changed that. Mm-hmm. TeamViewer still works. Um, they've had some security issues lately. So if you use it, I would make sure you enable the two-factor authentication just to help secure things. See, one, um, of, the, one of the difficulties I hit here already, though, is um, yep. as somebody who's become very used to using Dropbox and OneDrive and, and other storage solutions, I, I noticed that, okay, sure, I can log in remotely to my computer. Actually, I'm, I'm cro- you can't see this, but I'm crossing my fingers because the, I do keep my production PC on almost all the time, and there are still moments where it acts like it's asleep and it's not, and I can't log in. So it scares me to do that a little bit. But the, the real problem I get is it treats me like I'm just remoted into my computer. It doesn't Correct. necessarily give me the option to download that file to my device that I'm accessing That's from. That's why I said this is the lowest version of the experience. Right. I'm 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 getting there. I'm okay. building up. I I trust you. I trust you. <laughs> I said this is the, the the easiest one. You can just kind of remote in, um, and remote desktop allows you to connect with your local hard drive so that they could you can drop stuff onto your C drive. Right. And Team Viewer has some sort of file transfer mechanism and says log me in where you could kind of uh, browse the file system and download files. Okay. But that's assuming it's connected to your main computer. Mm-hmm. So that's not always what you want to do. Um, 
then there's the option, and you've already covered it, Dropbox and OneDrive. Um, but you only have so much space usually. And if you, you can do selective sync everywhere, which means, hey, maybe I'm only going to put this folder on this laptop, and maybe I'm only going to sync this folder to that laptop, but I'll have uh, this generic folder that syncs to everything. Or maybe I'll just have it sync to the cloud. Well, now your files are not on your computer anymore or your network. They might mainly live in Microsoft's cloud or, or Dropbox's cloud. And some people don't want their files living in the cloud. Yeah. They want them on their equipment and not on someone else's equipment. That's definitely a concern. And I think that's where um, I'm at and where a lot of people are is I want cloud access, but I don't want the residency of the file to be um, somewhere else. Right. So this is why I was bringing up the NASs earlier or servers. If you're going to um, store your files in your equipment, you got to have space. Mm-hmm. Um, depending upon the software, um, you can sh- have your cloud as big as you want, depending upon how many hard drives or how much space you've got. Oh, so you stumbled on it, right? My I, I counted my, hard, my uh, DVD collection alone as something like 150, 200 DVDs. Uh, that's not that much, and it is truly not. I stopped buying DVDs long, long time ago. Got rid I, of a I few. I backed up all of mine a long time ago. Um, I have a twelve terabyte NAS at home. Mm-hmm. And but, but and see, that's I'm that's fine. the idea of of this the amount of space that I'm calculating that I would need. Nowhere near twelve terabytes. Um, you know, I probably need five or six. And the idea of going out and paying. Uh, for that to be stored somewhere in Seattle, you know, through Microsoft or Amazon, the two primary cloud providers on this planet, um, it really, I don't know, it kind of bothers me a little bit. And, and it's not only that, you're most likely going to have poor experiences trying to watch them straight out of the cloud. Right. And again, and it's not home, all about movies. I mean, that is a, that's a personal component, but there, are, there sure. are some business aspects of being able to stream and deliver, um, you know, asynchronous corporate trainings while out of the office. So um, there's kind of at this point, um, I'm... I'm really kind of familiar with two kind of projects and products that might help. And then some NASs um, also come with some of their own software. So one I use at home today is called OwnCloud, O-W-N Cloud. And uh, so it's written on PHP. Uh, um, oh, see, it, I it, like it already. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> own, I was, OwnCloud.com. I that's .com, right? Um, yeah, not sure. Actually, you know what? No, uh, OwnCloud.com is their enterprise solution, I believe. Well, dot org. Dot org. So OwnCloud, um, um, I have on my NAS a little MySQL database. Um, it uses the database to help keep track of the files, mm-hmm. and then um, it runs in, in PHP. Um, so OwnCloud it, on your NAS uh, runs some PHP, and yep. um, so it's running PHP on the NAS. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I, I have a nice NAS that has uh, four bays. So it has to have some type of server supportability and not just file backup. File well, most NASs are Linux machines. Oh, okay. Um, and you can get dual-core Linux machines that have actually pretty decent a little bit of memory, and they have gigabit Ethernet connections, and they can run um, – they can do torrents. They can run Minecraft. They can uh, be – run own cloud they can run java so you can like i said minecraft you can run just the database server right on it um so they they have so much functionality that's just available out of the box as an appliance that's why i kind of talk about them mm-hmm. but um yeah own cloud uh you set it up and um it gives you you access it through a website but then they have apps i have an app on my my desktop 
I have an app on my phone, it connects back, and I can download the files and see the files. It's just like Dropbox or OneDrive or SugarSync or Box, but I'm only limited by how much space is on the the drive or the share that I've pointed OneDrive at or well, OwnDrive at. You know, and I want to underscore and, this because when you say it's like those other uh, those other services that are cloud um, out in the cloud that other people own. Uh, you really mean that? I'm looking through the demo here on the right. website. You can and, you can version files. So if I make changes to a file, I can go see all the changes I've done. Oh, I you, don't even it's mean configurable. that. I, I mean it you has. Can, so if I'm, they have um, examples online, and I can pull up a computer code, and it gives me a little editor. I pull up a video, it gives me a yeah. player. It's yeah. exactly like that. You know, if you pull up pull up a Word document, it gives you a previewer. That is absolutely exactly right. like what um you know Dropbox or anybody else does. Right. I I have to. You know, every time they come because I'm doing the community version, every time there's a new version, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't just auto update on the server. I have to kind of go out there and click around and do some stuff. But um, I'm only limited by how much space I give it. And it the the clients that run on the PC, um, so I have the the own cloud client running on my main desktop right now. It does allow you to do the selective syncing stuff. So if you only want one or two files or one or two folders synchronized to your laptop. Maybe like some travel stuff or travel movies or, you know, business documents. You can tell it to do that. And leave uh, everything else not synced, right? Right. You don't have to sync everything to that one device. Nice. But everything, I think, does get synced back to the main um, server. Okay. So there's own cloud. And, and uh, what else do you use? Um, there's another one called BT Sync. It's, uh, it was something released by the BitTorrent guys. It's peer-to-peer synchronization looks like, like this is at gitsync.com bitsync bt sync oh no okay. i guess it's uh yeah bittorrent sync at gitsync.com well there you go yeah i think that it's been the name might have changed or uh you know getsync.com yeah i think this i think is the name the was, has changed um because you know bittorrent has a certain connotation to it Ah, uh, you know what? I can understand that. Um, despite how legitimate they are, there's some concerns. Um, so, so this was, was encrypted syncing. So they 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 use BitTorrent. They used some encryption so that it was uh, strictly peer to peer, not going to somebody else. Um, it's supposed to be pretty fast. So if you had multiple things that were um, trying to sync it, it, it would assist. Similar to the BitTorrent protocol. Is there really an advantage, uh, especially if you're using your desktop PC as the server, as the always-on computer, is there really an advantage uh, of P2P over the server-client model? Um, that, I guess, would be a protocol th This question. is one where if you need to spontaneously sync a folder to somebody else, you mm -hmm. don't need a server. You don't need to configure it anywhere. You don't need to give them access to anything. You, you know, if two people are sitting in a coffee shop, you can probably both download it and create a synchronized folder right then and there. You and don't need a server. Do you just email them a link or how does that work? Uh, it, you know, there's keys and, and stuff. It, oh, okay. it, it's similar to emailing a link. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I see that if I'm, if I'm understanding their website correctly, it looks like it kind of has a Dropbox style interface on the web and yeah, okay. I, I'm a big fan of own cloud though. I, I really like it because I, I'm a big fan of Dropbox and I use it for a lot of things. Um, but Drop uh, Own Cloud also allows you to share links to other people. That there's a a write system in there, so you can say, someone can edit this or someone can read only it. You know, you can do all the stuff you can do with Dropbox. You can do with this. So someone can, if I have a um, if I have a document on my NAS or on my desktop and it's running Own Cloud, 
Yep. Uh, I can give the link to someone and just like, you know, I do an Office 365 all the time. They can go and edit that document and that's being edited on my device. On your NAS and then it like will uh, it, it'll send you the updates once they're done. Now, and I have to admit. It'll get synchronized down. I have to admit, I don't. This is where I talk about the overkill because from a business perspective, I like that. I like the control. I like the ownership. Now, do I really need to go through all of this work to implement that? Probably not, but no business probably needs to unless you have strict legal requirements to follow. But there is something nice about that level of control. Yeah. So what about bringing it all together? What if somebody has um, the situation I have? They have all sorts of multimedia of any type, personal business, whatever, all sorts of files. Uh, what would the best solution be for someone who really needs to bring all of these types of things together, access them on their local network and off of their local network. This goes back to what I was probably saying before, which is um, a NAS really works well for a lot of people because it can run the software. Um, a lot of the appliances support modules and or plugins or um, extensions. Um, I really like the Synology ones or the you know the QNAPs. Mm -hmm. um, both of those are you know really strong devices. They have good um, good software. They usually have pretty good hardware. You can get them in two, four, like yeah, eight bay I, I, units. I noticed there seem to be a couple of brands. You mentioned QNAP and Synology. Western yep. Digital is very consumer focused, but they have a, a nice uh, plug and play lineup and D Link. Uh, right. A lot and of people I, trust I even have um, I've I've had a a Ready NAS, which was a Netgear one, um, but the Synology and QNAP usually have a little bit better software. Um, so some people like running. Like I've used them in business environments for running VMs. They support something called iSCSI. So that's you can where I wanted to go. Yeah, that's where I run. wanted to go for the last few minutes is is for business. Yeah. Uh, I, and I know nothing about this, so I want to turn it back over to you and exactly what you were about to say. But some of these, especially the QNAP ones from what I saw, talk about application streaming uh, right. or, or more often virtual machines and even containers. Yes. And that's what I was getting at. So they're, um, if you go higher end on those, they're, they're definitely getting into the business line of stuff. But um, from low to a couple thousand dollars, the consumer was what a couple hundred to a thousand, right? And, and then for business, so, small business so would be thousand to a few thousand, right? If you're wanting to buy a device uh, like a NAS, um, most likely you're gonna keep it around for a couple of years, mm -hmm. like like same as a, a normal PC cost. And um, if if you're really thinking about getting a streaming, uh, maybe cutting the cord um, or streaming your internal movies to yourself. Um, or remotely, um, you might want to put a little bit of investment into it. So I would, I know it seems like a lot, but like a three or four hundred dollar empty shell. Um, yeah, a four hundred dollar empty shell will nice would buy you a nice uh, four bay right. for most manufacturers. Correct, and then you can um, like if you go with a four bay, um, it's still probably going to be another four to six hundred dollars if you get for the hard drives. Um, yeah, if you get multi terabyte drives. So if you get four multi terabyte drives. You might end up spending eight hundred to a thousand dollars if you loaded it up with terabytes and terabytes and terabytes of storage. Mm -hmm. um, but it would be redundant. You'd have room to grow, and it would pro it would run all your software for years to come that you needed. Um, you can go a little bit lower and, and go with like a two with a couple of one terabytes. You don't have as much redundancy, and it might not have as much processing power, and you might outgrow it. Uh, quicker. Yeah, and I think that's a big problem for so, folks who want to use this personally because then they don't have the option for hardware transcoding and they don't have the option for 1080p right. viewing. 
So what we always tell people when we talk about them in a business sense is you have to look at your data growth. Um, and it's something that you try to figure out with them, you know, especially with businesses, but you can kind of do it with people too. Um, as far as, you know, are you writing a lot of documents? Are you getting a lot of files? Are you um, encoding all, all your DVDs? How many do you have? Let's estimate out how much space it'll take. Um, you know, in the business, it's like how much, how many documents, how much logs, how, how, you know, how big does your email grow? Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you want to kind of scale it up, ramp it up. You don't want to just go, okay, well, I'm going to grow the same every year. Well, I mean, I know it sounds like you, you, you probably feel like you're preaching to the choir, but I can't stress how important it is. You made me think of something just now. So I talked and said, well, my DVD collection is, is respectable by the average person, but certainly not from a tech point of view. I may have what, 150, 200 DVDs. Like I said, no, no big deal. However, I have to think about this, the data growth in the future. If I have a NAS or if I have a dedicated server, if I'm using my production PC as this, despite the um, performance hit that may happen during uh, peak other user hours here at the house, um, I have to think how more, uh, how much more inclined I am to put other digital media on that server uh, as right. well. So that growth is really important. Backing up your pictures. Oh, if you're doing a podcast recording. How big do your audio files get? Pretty uh, are you going to get a GoPro or maybe a webcam, um, work on YouTube videos, or show how you do your editing or, or demonstrate training materials by recording your screen? Those files get large, and then you have to edit them and, and, and store the outputs. Do you just want to throw them away? Like That can have a lot of growth for you. Uh, for other people, uh, it could be they're working on Photoshop documents or recording video games recording video games that's something i've done and the files can be large i go scuba diving i have a gopro i record the diving um and those files can be quite large then trying to edit them they can get larger or smaller depending i i just i, th- I kind of think and if anybody's wondering what's why did i come to this point of looking at this and uh, chris you may be wondering that about me as well and i think it was kind of that i realized i have a lot of especially multimedia, the files I can deal with with Dropbox and OneDrive and everywhere else, um, uh, especially with um, OneDrive for Business and the amount of storage you get there and SharePoint Online. But when it comes to multimedia, either the productions that we do, um, the stuff I do at the university, or just media that I own, I mean, I'm looking at terabytes worth of information, and I can't fathom you know, spending that annually uh, on, on uh, storage services online. That just doesn't make sense to me. But at the same well, time, there's it, another topic we haven't even touched on with regard to your storage. Yeah, what's that? You haven't brought up backups yet. I have so not. I, I, backups. Look, here's my argument against using your main PC as a server to serve all your files. Um, I like having a NAS or appliance because it's redu- you can have some redundancy there, and usually the NAS appliances are about six inches wide by about six inches tall, mm-hmm. and maybe about six or eight inches deep. Hey, guess what happens if there's a fire? You know how easy it is to unplug that thing and run out of the house with it? Right. What happens if your main com- uh, if there's a fire and all your hard drives are sitting in this your main computer? How easy is it to unplug that, hook, unhook it, and carry it outside? Not very, but I do have a follow-up question on that because I think you make that point really clearly. Is there a process, um, other than traditional PC backup, is there a process to back up a NAS off-site? Yes. Like most, um, quite a few of the NAS manufacturers do offer some sort of NAS cloud where you can back well, up your NAS to their cloud. Well, what if um, I wanted to back it up to another NAS offsite? Most of them also I offer think, NAS to NAS backups where oh, you can good. have two NASs 
and point one at another and do backups to there. See, I think um, business is really going to like that. Or um, they do offer five and six terabyte drives, single drives. Mm-hmm. So while it's not as much redundancy as um, all of your, your three or four or five, six drives, um, one thing you can do is back up your whole NAS to one drive, go put that in a safety deposit box somewhere where you're not reading and writing to it all the time. There's also, you know, if you're going into a business environment, tape backups are still a thing mm-hmm. um, sometimes with, with some high-density tapes. It depends. But, um, yeah. Interesting. I just don't like having eight different hard drives just sh- shoved into a case in various spots with drive letter A, D, C, you know, just all sorts of letters everywhere. You got a little bit of files here, a little bit of files there. Yeah, I know. You um, were picking on me off air about that. Well, I, no, I'm up to the, four, and I mentioned I wanted to go to eight, and you're like, don't do it. Don't the, do there's it. There's more. How, how many? You're using your main PC all the time. Right. What happens if you get a virus, a bad update, something in your machine is unusable, well, and now you have to start reloading it? That sounds like a hopefully, nightmare scenario. Hopefully, you have good data integrity and in that you've kept files on certain drives and other letters separate away from your C drive and your data and your programs. But people don't always do that. And they don't always make a clear distinction of, oh, I should copy this somewhere else. Well, that's true. For instance, no episode of the show lives on the drive that any operating system is on. Now, can they still become impacted? Yes. Are they backed up? Not to the level I'd like. And I think that's where the NAS and other network type storage comes into play. Yeah, I I realize I'm harping on it, but no, it, I is, just, it is important. And I, I, think, I used to do what you did. I used to ha- just throw more drives in my main computer. Going to a NAS was um, definitely a breath of fresh air. It, it, it gives me a better organization elsewhere. Um, I can access it. You know, I, I do all the stuff that you want to do. I'm using Plex to stream my videos. I'm using uh, OwnCloud on different devices. I, I still use Dropbox, but there's things that you know, code I'm writing or, or, or stuff I'm working on that I don't want in a public space. Mm-hmm. I just keep it all internal. Right. I think let's let's conclude with this for a moment because I want this to to sort of the idea that's in my head. I'm not going to be able to vocalize it because, of course, I'm the person asking questions about this, trying to figure out uh, which way I should go. You know, for the past couple of weeks, the reason that my mind has been on this isn't so much my need as sort of this predictive this little predictive feeling in the back of my mind, so to speak, that says personal clouds, the quote unquote, the bad term I'm giving this, the idea of owning your own cloud, of owning your own storage that's accessible everywhere that goes with you. I feel like this is big business in the future and that more and more businesses and even high end, uh, uh, you know, enthusiasts and consumers are really going to want to have some of this control and implement these plug and play solutions. Is my vision uh, too little, too late. Is this already happening? Is do you see this market growing, or well, am I just kind of often growing. It left started field? A couple of years ago, with I mean, the Windows Server wasn't one of the first ones, but nowadays, you know, people like little cheap PCs to do things. Right. So, you know, as far as um, people buy the little Intel NUCs that are like three inches by three inches, and they use that for. They hook it up to their TV and use it for web browsing and, and Netflix and, and sure, Hulu absolutely. And, and stuff. Um, and they'll put files on it, and, and then they have their files everywhere they go. Um, you know, they they have the micro ATX motherboard came out really for these people that wanted really small portable PCs um, to maybe be set-top PCs specifically to handle movies. You know, maybe, at, you know, at the time, a lot of it was 
back up all your DVDs onto some hard drives directly attached to this um, little set-top PC and just play the movies off of that. Mm-hmm. But now that data is so ubiquitous and devices are powerful enough, yeah, that's that's where Plex and uh, the Xbox Media Center stuff comes in, where you're just streaming movies to devices or or backing them up to devices. Yeah, I sort of see the the vision for the future middle class family. Oh, that's what it was running a thousand or two thousand dollar pretty pretty hardcore for consumer standards right now, um, yeah. some type of device, and then just casting to every device, whether it's an application casting like is in currently the um, the business grade NASAs or um, so what- movies. What that kind of is, what the application casting is, it's more specifically what the, the VM is. Um, in a business environment, you might have a server that has a lot of processing and memory but doesn't have any storage. And usually you will connect multiple servers to what they call a SAN, storage attached network. Like it's, it's crazy, like a 20, 30 drives all connected in this one box and it's um, super expensive. But... That's where all of your VMs live, and all the three or two. Um, is, is, quick, quick question: Is that what's happening? Some clients I have, they have um, a situation where their desktop is available from anywhere. They log in any yes. computer. Well, well, that's you can do that with Azure or uh, AWS as well. This client certainly isn't doing that. They're, they're... Or you can do it with Citrix um, or VMware. But so essentially, there's a box that just has hard drives usually, and. There's multiple servers that just have processing and video or mm-hmm. processing and memory. And a company I used and to work at, Fortune 100 used to, that to do that. box that has storage. Mm-hmm. And that's where the VMs live. So they load the VM in the memory or they, they connect to it. They call it like SCSI, iSCSI. And uh, they just read and write to the VM. It's kind like of the old a, client dummy terminal situation from the 60s and 70s, right? Sure. But, super but instead advanced. of doing this super expensive SAN, you can... For lower performance things, you can use a NAS. And in that case, you could run a virtual machine, a container, and feed. Um, let's say you have photo, a Photoshop license. I don't even know if that would work. Can you take something like that, a Photoshop license for an employee who's not local, who travels a lot, and feed it to them wherever they're at? Could you do that? Yeah, you could make a VM that has Photoshop on the VM. Mm-hmm. And they would and- um, remote into the VM server. And I assume with containers, you wouldn't even need the VM. It just serves the actual application. Is that correct? Um, I don't know enough about the app serving on that particular regard, yeah. so I'm not sure. Don't worry. We'll, we'll come back to it, I'm sure, as we look more at these yeah, technologies and, and as they evolve. It's more of a high-end discussion when you're talking about iSCSI and VM hosting on, on NASIS because usually there's a separate server that's dedicated to running VMs. So in that case, it's it's probably not the right answer. It's kind of maybe a low to mid entry point into some VM hosting. Um, like I said, that's a whole other discussion, really. Yeah. Well, that's good enough for me right now. I mean, uh, any last words? I think I think we're at a good conclusion point because we've talked about a lot of the concerns that I have that I think a lot of people have right now are just kind of thinking what's coming next for business for us as consumers. Um, charting the way we go forward, I, you know, we have uh, different pieces of software that we can evaluate now, whether it's Plex, um, whether it's own cloud, uh, different pieces of hardware, uh, the network attached storage and the other types of appliances, as we mentioned, um, really a lot to take in. And, and I'll put it this way, a lot for people to go Google and uh, start digging into this and we can uh, we can come back to it later. So anything we're missing in that initial starting point for a business or a consumer to start thinking, how do I get my data available to me everywhere? Um, make sure you have a good connection. Like just make sure you have good internet. And uh, if you're going to be 
having a centralized NAS or a centralized PC that's going to do the serving, make sure it's wired if possible. You don't want to do that over wireless. Right. Just plug that straight into your router. Yeah. Just something that has a reliable, fast connection because it, it's it's going to be, you know, can transmit and receive. It's not just going to be, ooh, I have this huge download speed, but my upload's terrible. If you're remote dealing with files, you're going to need a, a good connection. Or, or you might be willing to wait a little while. It, it, it's up to you. All right. Well, thanks, Chris. We'll end with that. And uh, for everybody listening, give us feedback. Our email address is, ironically, feedback at multinewmedia.com. Check out our website, multinewmedia.com. Give give us an email. Let us know what we're doing right, any type of topics we can address to to answer any questions you may have or help you out in the business world, in the marketing world, in the technology world, or anywhere that we happen to exist, especially when it comes to uh, our interest levels. We, 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 We aim to please. Right, Chris? Yes, we do. All right. Take care, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care.